Three days ago, your friend recommended a Netflix show to you. The show is neither new nor new to Netflix. You haven't had time to check it out yet, but strangest thing, earlier today, you heard one of your coworkers mention it in a conversation. On your drive home, you turned on your car radio and heard the DJ make a comment about his intentions to binge that show over the weekend. Tonight, you discover the lead actor from that show is appearing on the talk show that you watch before going to bed. You may feel as if you've just entered the twilight zone, but no, in fact, you've just encountered the Bader-Meinhof effect. Hello and welcome to Think Significantly. I'm Pete and I'm joined by my multi-talented co-host, Melissa. Hello. Pete, I have to say, I had never heard of the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon until you brought it up to me. And now that you had, you've heard it over and over, I'm assuming? Pretty much. You know, I knew that there had to be some name for this because I've had those moments where I've experienced this and I thought, whoa, why does this thing keep popping up? And I was realistic enough to realize that it was not the universe kowtowing to little of me. And then I probably just wasn't paying attention before. In other words, like chances are they have been playing Kokomo incessantly. And I just happen to be paying attention this week since I'm planning a vacation. To Bermuda? Ah, uh, Jamaica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I have to tell you, when I went to research this, I kept coming up with the Red Army faction, and I was so confused. I was like, what is this? Well, that's that's understandable, because the the origin of the name of this phenomenon is unlike most. How is it unlike most? Well, in most instances, the phenomenon are going to be named after the researchers that discovered them, like uh, Dunning-Kruger, for instance. Yeah, researchers definitely like naming things after themselves, and... And also, for the record, I love me some Dunning-Kruger, so I'm going to pin that for a future discussion. I absolutely agree. That would be a fascinating conversation. All right. So, go on. You're going to tell me that Bader and Meinhof were not the researchers <laughs> who discovered this, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly what I'm going to tell you. As you alluded, it shares a name with a terrorist group active in West Germany in the 70s. Of course it does. Yes. Right. Right. That that's makes what I total, thought. It makes right. total sense. Mm. So, so, the story goes... That in 1994, a guy named Terry Mullen was having a discussion with a friend about that terrorist group. The next day, his friend pointed out an article in the newspaper that the Bader-Meinhof gang was mentioned in. Terry wrote to the St. Paul Pioneer Press letters page describing how he learned of this organization. Then the next day saw them in a news article nearly 20 years after they had any reason to be in the news. So now it's in the paper that this happened. And let me guess. It turns out that other people had probably had a similar experience happen to them. Yes, a lot of people had experienced the same thing. So this name was what, like crowdsourced before crowdsourcing was a thing? <laughs> yeah, essentially, yes. The name Bader-Meinhof just stuck based on that first cataloged example of it. And then in 2005, the term frequency illusion was applied by Arnold Zwicky, uh, who was a professor of linguistics at Stanford. Uh, and that was, you know, to give it a, an academic name. 
So quick on the fly Google search here. I see that Zwicky noticed that people who have an above average interest in language are extra prone to having these experiences. That, that makes a lot of sense to me because if you're a person who's overly interested in language, like c'est moi, you're probably paying attention to what is being said more, right? So I'm going to notice it when something new crosses my radar. Surely, yeah. So, right, exactly. So there, there are two parts to this. One part is the perception of increased frequency. That's selective attention where your brain is subconsciously seeking out more information on the subject. The second part is a confirmation bias where you take as proof that the topic has gained overnight popularity. In other words, you're sure that this wasn't popping up with the same frequency before. Uh, so when in fact the frequency hasn't changed, you just weren't noticing it because you just weren't noticing it. So I get it. Okay, so I feel like this is akin to something known as working memory driven attentional capture. Oof. Say that 10 times fast. Yeah, right? that's cool, man. That, they need to workshop that. Right? Uh, I guess we could put it into an acronym. <laughs> WDAC. Okay, so there you go. Working memory driven attentional capture. Uh -huh. This is a way of describing what happens when something you are thinking about influences where your attention goes. Oh, this is, this is like the, uh, the don't think about a pink elephant and all I can think about is the pink elephant, right? Don't think about a pink elephant. Right. right. Yes, pretty much. So, Here's an example of how this goes down to the research lab. If I ask you to remember a specific object, say a tennis racket, and then I show you a picture of the collection of objects and tell you to find the shoe, if there's a tennis racket on that page, it's gonna slow you down from finding the shoe. That tennis racket, while just a diversion, is capturing your attention. Huh, that's, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. with, with Bader Meinhof, that thing that you have in your brain is drawing your attention to find it in your environment in a way that you wouldn't normally notice. So, so the unconscious influences where our attention goes. Yeah, exactly. Our minds tend to search for and interpret and recall information in a way that confirms and supports our prior beliefs and values, for sure. So we're talking uh, about confirmation bias then? Yeah, I guess, I guess we are. Yeah, confirmation bias. So, right. So. Let's say that you read somewhere that red-haired women run faster than women with other colored hairs, hmm. and you believe it. You That's believe it. Okay. Yeah. So whenever you see that red-headed woman at a race passing you, not you, but you know, I mean, she might be. No, she would probably be passing me. That's All fine. right, she's passing. Yeah. You file that away as evidence that, you know, you must be right. Yeah, red-haired women run faster. And if you see a red-haired woman who's being passed up by her fair-haired or raven-locked peers, you disregard that. Right, 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 right. So so you look for evidence that supports your beliefs and ignore evidence that contradicts it. Right. And if you look hard enough for something, you are definitely going to find it. Absolutely. Okay, so I understand that there's this side of, of it where we, we unconsciously seek out information that reinforces our own views. But, but what about, you know, when our phones are listening to us? Our phones are listening to us. You know what I'm talking about here. Come on. It's when I look something up and then all of a sudden my feed is filled with ads for that very thing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to draw a very uh, important distinction here. Bader-Meinhof is when the frequency is not changing. 
and algorithms like we find on Facebook or when our phones are listening to us are very much changing to cater to our needs. And we don't want to get those two things mixed up. What's funny about that delineation is that I think we might be prone to not thinking that there is an uptick in seeing something on our social media. So, so kind of the opposite of Bader Meinhof. It's getting very complicated. I feel like I might need a whiteboard any minute now. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's bring it back to a real world example to, just, right. to, just to keep it grounded. This is actually a well-known and well-utilized phenomenon. Companies incorporate the effects of Bader Meinhof phenomenon into their marketing strategy by ensuring that they are putting the brand out there as much as possible. Yeah. And let's not forget that the first step of Bader Meinhof is someone initially noticing your product, your theory, whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. You mm -hmm. have to get your product on the radar mm -hmm. and then you'll want to pepper the world with sightings of this thing. Social media, radio stations, TV, billboards. Once a person is hooked, he or she will carry the water for you. Mm -hmm. so even if your customer isn't in the market for a new water heater, they've seen your company everywhere. And when their friend is looking for a product like yours, your potential customer will mention you first. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Social proof theory. That states that when someone doesn't know how to act or think, they will imitate other people or turn to peers for guidance for exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. So, mm -hmm. so if you really want to sell something, then you will want to employ both the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon and social proof theory. All right. So to be devil's advocate here, I do think that it is possible that a one-off incident could set off a ripple effect, don't you? A one-off? You mean like, like, a, like the butterfly effect kind of thing? Well, we can't deny that we live in a very interconnected world. I mean, just think of how closely everyone is connected to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so like, wouldn't it be possible to hear that one obscure song from 1970 that could prompt a DJ to play it, which causes people to add it to their playlists. And now they're listening to their homes and cars. Now it's in your spin studio. I feel like we're racking up quite a list of phenomenon here. We got Bader Meinhof. We talked about frequency illusion. We've talked about confirmation bias, social proof theory, butterfly effect. I told you I was going to need a freaking whiteboard. I, I said this was <laughs> need, a lot, man. We need, we need I push pins and yarn, man. This is I, getting complicated. And our tinfoil hats. Come on. <laughs> All right. I'm going to add one more just to be an ass. All right. Recency bias. That's oh, a no. tendency to give more credence to recent events when making a decision. This is why we pay more attention to things that we just heard. And this is where we get into where these types of phenomenon can actually be harmful instead of just deceptive. This sounds crazy nefarious, my friend. I feel like you are wearing your tinfoil hat. But <laughs> all right. All right. Well, hear me out on this one. You tell me if I if it's crazy or not. All right. Think of a scenario where an ER doctor just treated a patient with a novel medical issue. Now she sees these same indicators in many patients. The recency of this new disease information can lead this doctor to be more alert to symptoms that align with this new information. And then guess what confirmation bias does in this situation? Okay, I see what's going on here. The confirmation bias is going to make her take these symptoms that are fresh in her brain and push her diagnosis to the patient with the issue that's fresh in her brain, not necessarily that the patient is presenting with. So even if the symptoms aren't a perfect fit, she's going to make it fit and may very well start treating the patient for an issue that the patient does not have. 
That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And and that can be inconvenient at best, ordering tests that aren't needed on on patients mm-hmm. and can be deadly at worst, depending on what the disease is that, that they have in their brain. Sure. I, I think it's important that, or I appreciate the fact that you brought up the doctor situation, because I think the underlying current here is that these things can hit anyone. Mm. Anyone is susceptible to these things and <laughs> people who don't realize they're susceptible to them are usually the ones who are most susceptible to them. Like if you overestimate your abilities, you lead with this ego and you're probably going to be the one who surely falls for it. And bam, you added another illusory superiority. I was not even trying to. I feel like you added that one, but okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Put put a hash mark in my column, whatever. As long as it's redeemable for major prizes at the end, I'm cool. So yeah, like this is where a majority of the people think that they're better than average and they aren't. They're right there in the middle of the pack. That's what the bell curve says. Yeah. But before you start giving yourself the business for overestimating your abilities, Zwicky said from the jump that we are set up to be deluded because we don't have the luxury to examine our lives from a data analytics point of view. So Zwicky's like, it's not because you're an egotistical maniac. It's just simply because you're not painstakingly coding all of the data that we're subject to. Yeah, sure. You you lack perspective, right? You don't see the, the big picture. Sure. Mm-hmm. So Instead, we are taking ourselves as the measure of all things and generalizing from our own perceptions. Yeah, makes sense. Sure. So we're, so we're all subject to falling for these phenomena. But are we helpless when it comes to these mind tricks? The answer, of course, is no. That's the Every time you ask me this question on one of these podcasts, the answer is no. Right? <laughs> I can't be like, yeah, bye. Have a good night, y'all. Yeah, of course <laughs> we're not helpless. But it's takes a conscious effort on a part. Like you have to ask yourself questions that challenge the directions our thoughts naturally take us. So we need to challenge our own thoughts. Is that what you're saying? It sounds, it sounds like you're saying that we can overcome these influences by, Oh, let me think. How do I put this? Uh, dare I say thinking significantly? That they, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Put that on a size too small t shirt. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, I know I, just I, where to get one, right? Absolutely. <laughs> the way to overcome any subconscious influence, including the ones we've discussed today, is to give it conscious attention and compare the way you feel about something with fact based reality. So, the, the antidote to frequency illusion is real data. Mm hmm. Are there, are there really more Toyotas on the road after you test drove one? Probably not. But if you don't take the time to recognize that, you sure feel like there are. Mm-hmm. It is always possible that this new thing you've heard about really is new, but it's better to take the hunch and do some research before you claim that you're the first person to notice a new trend. That's, that, is, that is great advice. And on that note, I think we can wrap up this conversation. What do you think? I got you, boo. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So Pete and I will be back next week to discuss another mind-blowing topic. Until then, we encourage you to continue thinking significantly about the world around you. And of course, to continue the conversation on social media. Let us know how Bader Meinhof has crept into your world. And as always, let us know what topics you'd like to hear us talk about next. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ThinkSigPod, all one word. 
or on our Facebook page by searching for Think Significantly. <laughs> <laughs>